heart to us. To come to this place at this very moment, knowing that it's all about you. That every love song, every praise and worship is for you. It is unto you, Father. We bring a sacrifice of praise right now. We lay down our own so that we can exalt you. Exalt you in every way, fashion, and form. Today we do it with our lips. Today we do it with our hands raised to you. Glorifying you. Showing, Father, that we rely on you. That you are the most high God. God, you are on the, the throne. You are still the King of kings and Lord of lords. So, Father, we praise you and worship you. Thank you. for us to do something. I just want to turn it over to her. We're going to continue to praise, but we're going to uh, follow her instruction. Well, while we were singing and stuff, I just, uh, when I had talked to Anna Marie earlier this week, I just told her, we're on the wall. We're on the wall. We are watchmen on the wall, praying, taking our places, standing in the gap for her and holding up her arms and Craig's arms. And so when we were worshiping, uh, I just saw us doing that, standing on the wall. So I, I just want everybody to just get back there and just kind of line up along the wall. And uh, we're just going to walk this out by faith, believing that the Lord leads us, prompts us, and we must obey when we feel His prompting. We need to obey. strengthen that body, 
Strengthen that body. Let that pain go in the name of Jesus. Let that pain go in the name of Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go in Jesus' name. She will be able to stand here and proclaim your word this very day. She will be able to stand here and strengthen power, her heart's desire to continue on in your word with the call that you have upon her life. I thank you, Father. And I want everybody to repeat with me. Surely, goodness and mercy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow her all the days of her life. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow her all the days of her life. And her days shall be long on the earth. They shall be long on the earth. They will be long on the earth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we do take our place on the wall. We commit ourselves to take our place on the wall. Every one of us, we take our place on the wall. We stand in the gap for her and pray. In Jesus' name, I, I just compel you. Be obedient to that voice. Throughout this week, if he calls you to come up here to get on your knees and pray for her, do that quickly. Be obedient to that. Do that quickly. Don't hesitate. Stand in the gap and take your place on the wall. We thank you and we praise you and we give you glory and honor for you are our strength and our rock and our hope. You are our salvation, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. It's an awesome thing to see people intercede for a brother and a sister in Christ. To see you on the wall. It's exactly what it says in the Word to bear one another's burdens, to take on with support and help, believing and caring, and not allow our sister to be plagued with anything other than the Lord's goodness and kindness. We do this by faith, God. We do this by faith. And this pleases you. Because our belief is that you can and that you will. There's a declaration to be made. You will bring healing to her body. And we speak that with confidence. We speak that because it's true. And it is truth. I give you praise and I give you glory. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you, Jesus, for a hope that's not built upon man's word, but a hope that's built upon the word of God. And I say unto you, healing is real. Heaven is real, healing is real. Give him praise. Yes. Give him praise and glory and honor. We stand in the midst. We stand to say, You are our God. You are our God. You're a wonderful God. You're a loving God. And we give you glory and honor. Glory and honor to the God. Jesus Christ who took stripes for us. Jesus, our God, who interceded for us. You know what <clears throat> seems foolish to the world is wisdom in heaven. Brought such a presence to see us on the wall. Because we're touching faith. We're touching a belief. We're touching that which we believe God is doing. The very thing that Jimmy was talking about while ago and when Craig said this last Sunday and he said uh, that Anna Marie had come to him and said there's only two things that we can do with faith we can live by faith and die in faith it uh, sparked something in me <clears throat> if you remember Back when uh, Mom had her stroke on June 5th, I had come up here and I, I was talking about how I wanted to see the end of the process. I wanted to see what was going to happen. And the Lord says, that's not the way it's going to work. And he gave me um, a type of a vision. And he says... It's going to be like the unfolding. I'm going to unfold this to you. That when I unfold this, then you will see this side of the paper. 
And when I unfold that, you will see that side of the paper. And there was just this, this thing that I had to walk through this with God and believing that God was going to show me at the right time what to do and how to act. And even at times, truly, how to feel. And uh, <clears throat> it was difficult. I'll, I'll be real honest with you. It wasn't an easy process. In the midst of that, of going through this and walking through this, I believe that God would tell me, this is what you do. But he wouldn't allow me to know, like, why or what. Bye. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow me to, to be in on some of the things that were going on. And so by faith, he say, okay, I believe that's what you said, and that's what I'm going to do. Things that would define logic. Things that, that <clears throat> things that would say, I wouldn't do that in the natural. But yet he said do and it was a little frustrating. Yet when I did them, um, the peace of God would reign. It would reign in my heart, and it would reign in the people that that I was speaking to. And uh, but there had to, there was a sense of why. And uh, when Craig said that last week. Something went off in me, and he and God told me why. Not all of it, but He told me, "I'm going to show you little by little what went on." In the midst of it going on, there's no way I could have understood it or grasped it. I was too engaged in the middle of it. Too locked into the trees that were in front of me, I couldn't see the forest. And uh, <clears throat> and when when that was said, I went, "Oh my gosh, it's not done." What God wants me to know is not done. And I, there's more revelation to come. There's more. Uh, Trust and faith. There's more that he's want to feed into my spirit. Revelations that are truly going to do wonderful and great things. Not for my glory, but for his glory. I feel I'll, I'll be better equipped and, and given better uh, spiritual prowess to be able to move. What Jimmy said a while ago is so true in that he said, consider those that are going through the trials and the sufferings. Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith, of constant time and time again, these are people that went through some things and you need to learn from them. Because I want to say, even though it was years and years ago, 
when Jimmy lost his parents, when Patricia lost her parents, I looked at Jimmy. Those of you who don't know what happened, um, Jimmy's parents uh, were killed in a horrific car accident. We were told, uh, an officer came up, we were here at the church, which I believe was divine, divine in the sense that where else would I rather be than among believers? It's a, it's a true and real experience when you, when you are in a place of, of suffering that you be among God's people who will speak faith. But that day, the police officer and I and Jim Hester had called in uh, the Heath family, and they were sitting on the couch, and the officer uh, told them what had happened. Seconds, or in the very moment, I looked at them to see what their reaction would be, and their reaction was praising God. Their reaction was lifting their hands and praising God in the midst of someone who just lost their parents. And I looked at Jimmy, and I said, I'll, do, I'll go and, and do whatever you want me to. And he says, well, I've got to go tell my sisters. Would you come with me? I said, whatever. So I was privileged to see something behind the scenes that not everybody could see. Privileged to see a man who was worshiping and praising God in the midst come and talk to his sisters and tell them how great God is after the very news that he spoke to them. Ed, a different scenario but the same story. You know what I mean? Things happened differently, but it was the same heart of loving and worshiping and praising God in the midst. <clears throat> we here who are sitting here walking and talking we got to live by faith have to have to live by faith believing that what he says in his word is true heaven is real heaven is real and if we truly believe that truly believe that it was something and I'll tell you about it in a minute, but it's really something that I think people have an abstract way of thinking about 
what happens after someone dies. I'm going, you, you, you know up here that there's a heaven. But do you know, you know that there is a heaven? It's a real thing. It's a real place. It's a, it's, it, you, you are not Walter D. Walter D is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. You understand that? He's a spirit. Walter D is a spirit. Unique to him, unique to God, unique to Jesus Christ who died on a cross for him. He is unique. That spirit man. He has a soul that at times has to be tamed. At times has to has to be shut down. But the whole soul's not bad. But it needs to be refined. And in that refining, he lives in this body. And the body at times needs to be tamed and refined. But the reality is that he is a spirit. And right now, God lives in him. But someday, he will live with God. A true reality. It's a real thing. Not to be bypassed. It will be challenged in your belief system. Let me tell you, it will be challenged. But do you believe? Not acknowledge the fact, I'm talking about believe in that very concept, in that very thing that the Word says. We live by faith. Turn to Romans 1.17. Romans, let's start with verse 16. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 16, in the Amplified. You have the Amplified up there? Yeah. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is, look at these two words here. It is God's power. It is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death. To everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17. For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. Something is about to come clear to us. Both springing from faith and leading to faith, to faith, Disclosed through the way of faith that is that arouses to more faith. He's saying it's a perpetual thing. 
that if you can get the ball rolling in faith, it's going to produce more faith. And then even more faith. You know why it produces more faith? Because God is faithful. He was faithful with the first thing. He's going to be faithful to the second thing and the third thing and the fourth thing and on and on and on. And you're going to say, wow, this God thing really works. It really happens. In Romans it says, God has given all of us a measure of faith. A little part, a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is good seed in your spirit man. And it is supposed to go on and on and on. You're supposed to use it. Okay, I believe for this. I'm talking about believing for things that there is no way on earth it could happen except through God. What are your battles? What are your addictions? What are things that in your life you're going, I can't do it myself? And God says, I never wanted you to. I wanted you to have faith in me. So here it is. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and... Let's start here. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live. What if we just put a period right there? That those who live by faith shall live. Those who rely on God, those who trust in God, shall live. The very thing that Jimmy was talking about this morning, hey, here's a woman of faith. I mean, she is a woman of faith. She is a woman that knows, I mean, she's, she's the one with the revelation here of living by faith and dying in faith. The man who through faith is just and upright shall live. Well, let's add something else to it. And shall live by faith. You're going to live by faith. You're going to believe in God. You're going to believe in what He says. How many times do we feel defeated? How many times when, when, when we screw up, we're going, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Paul went the same way. He goes, the very things I want to do, I can't do. But the very things uh, I don't want to do, I do. Who can save this wretched man? And what was his faith? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ can save this wretched man. It is by him. It is by who he is. It is about what he has done. Through faith, the man who through faith is just and shall live by faith. Faith becomes our justice. Faith becomes how, what makes us just. So who are just? Well, we are. That's who he's talking about up there. We are the just. Well, I want to... I wanna, I looked up the word just, and it is defined as guided by truth. If you are just 
then you are guided by the truth of the Word and the Lord. Just is done or made according to the principle and proper thing. It is based on right. It is lawful. Just in keeping with truth or fact or correct. Justice, just given or awarded rightly, such as that was a just punishment for the crime that he did. It was proper. It was right. But it also is a just reward. I don't deserve heaven. I will never deserve heaven. But who makes me just? It is the Lord. It is Jesus Christ. He paid the price. There had to come a price to be paid for the sin that was on my life. Turn to Galatians chapter 2, just a few books over. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Verse 19 through 21. For through the law, you've got to remember that the law was given, given to uh, his people for a reason. And it was the prelude. It was the, the thing that, that basically I'm giving this to you to show you what's going to happen in the New Testament. And so there was this, this law that nobody could keep. Nobody could do. It was... It was outrageous. If you want to know some of it, read Deuteronomy. I mean, you talking about the law that was hard. Every little thing had to be done just right. And nobody could keep it. So what would they do? They would sacrifice an animal, and it had to be an animal animal animal. It had to be an animal that was perfect. It couldn't have a, a broken leg or, or limp. Uh, it had to have like both eyes, not one green and one blue. Uh, it had to be a perfect specimen of that animal. And so they would take that and they would sacrifice it on the altar. And when they sacrificed it on the altar, it would roll your sins back. So you had to do it every year. That year. And then you live a year and then roll those sins back. And the only... You had to do that every year. Now, Jesus Christ comes on. For, for I, through the law, under the operation of the curse of the law, he calls it a curse, oh my goodness, have in Christ's death for me myself died to the law and all the law's demands upon me so that I may henceforth live to and for God. Do you see the difference? You see the difference in the Old Testament? Man, I need to do this because God told me to, one, in the Old Testament. But it was, it's really for me. I'm like, wow, I've I, I got to get this done because I sinned. And I need to roll my sins back. When Christ came along, he made it possible for us to live to and for God. You can live for God. 
totally changes the focus and the emphasis of a perfect sacrifice. The Jesus Christ being the perfect sacrifice, the blood that was shed to cover our sins. That makes us just. That's when it says the just shall live by faith. It is because they are following Jesus Christ, not the law, and they are living to and for God. It's huge. The difference, the freedom that it brings for us to live a life unto the Lord, which is God's plan for us always. He wanted a people. He wanted a people called unto himself. And this is the only way it could be done. My blood's not good enough. His was. And so I've got to live by that faith. I've got to live by faith, believing that his death covers my sins. Oh, hallelujah. He died to the law. We have died to the law. And it just totally blows my mind when people want to go back to the law. Oh, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to do it just like this or do it just like that. I'm going, freedom is a, is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> you know? I give my, my son or daughter a car, and it gives them more freedom, but it's responsibility. I'm praying that they got it when I told them. I'm saying, yeah, you can go, but please be careful. Be wise. And that's not enough for me. I go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> when they're not smart, <laughs> when they're not wise, keep them safe. Put your angels surround that car. So with freedom comes a lot of responsibility. And he says, you got freedom. Go do what you want. And yet now, God gets what he's always wanted, a people who freely and so desires to love him, their own choice to love him and worship him and follow him. You made a choice. Now he desired it. He desires all men to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but you made that choice. And he was... Jesus is such a gentleman. He's not going to force you into anything. You got the choice. And he chooses you. He chose you before you knew you were going to choose him. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Even even John the Baptist had to make sure. You know? Jesus said, while you were yet sinners and you didn't know whether you were going to follow me, I died on a cross for you. John, in prison, about to get his head chopped off, goes and tells one of his disciples, go talk to Jesus and and ask him, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that is coming to redeem the world? And Jesus doesn't say yes. Jesus says, 
tell him that the blind see and the lame walk. Tell him of the power that you've seen from me. I'm telling you, you're talking about faith being real. That's the kind of faith that we give to the Lord and saying, we believe your word. We give it all to you. We reserve nothing for ourselves. It is you. It is yours. You paid a price for it on the cross, bloodshed. And then you went and you were resurrected on the third day. Showing your power that the grave couldn't keep you. Man. Amen. And glory unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19, go to verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I know, and the life I know live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I think I already preached that, so go on to verse 21. Therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. Who of you, let's say Carmen, I can pick on Carmen. This boy, this man comes and says, oh, I love you. I love you so much. I want you to marry me. And I bought this huge rock called a diamond. And I'm going to put it on your finger. And then she goes, you know, I love you too. I I really do. But you know, this rock, heavy. Or this rock, I'm going to, like, not really take care of it. I'm going to throw that diamond around like it's nothing. I'm going to take it off and forgive where I put it. (laughs) The reality is she doesn't see the importance and the symbolism of what that ring means. People do that all the time with Jesus. They have no understanding and treat the gift of his blood and his sacrifice says, ah, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. And they don't regard it for the thing that it really is and what it really does. People love to get out of crisis. That's all I want. I want to get out of the crisis that I'm in. And if Jesus will do it, then for right now, I'm going to love Jesus. But once the crisis is over, they no longer consider it important. I go live my life the way I want to. What? How do you treat the sacrifice? If you're going to live by faith, if you're going to realize the thing that Jesus actually did, 
you will cherish it. Just as much or more than anything that you love, you will care for. It's just the way we are. We care for it. We love it. We take we we polish it. We make sure that it's in the right place and done the right way. God's gracious gift has something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ the Messiah died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. He's going, when you do that, you give no regard or give it any value. You take Christ's death and you go, hey, it was a nice thing. It was a nice thing you did for me. Man, if Jesus were standing here, would you say that to him? See you tomorrow. No. (laughs) No. That's why worship is such an important part of our lives. Worshiping the Lord has to be a priority in your life. And I'm not talking Sunday. I'm talking every day. Every day you are worshiping God for what He has done. Know that. Know that. Wake up in the morning and say, Thank you for the sacrifice you've given. Turn to Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. Starting with verse 11. 3.11. You can't do enough. You can't suffer enough. You can't be enough to merit heaven to merit a relationship with Jesus Christ, honestly. How many of us, in growing up to maturity, have tried to gain somebody's favor by throwing money at them? By, oh, if if I bake them a cake, they'll love me. You do something sacrificially so that they will see how much you love them. You can't do that with Jesus. It's not about that. He's going, I don't want your cake. I don't want your money. I want you. I want you to come to me. Galatians 3.11. Now it is evident that no person is justified, declared righteous, and brought into right standing with God through the law. I've got to make sure I dot my I and cross my T's. For the scripture says, the man in right standing with God, the just, the righteous, shall live by and out of faith. And he who through 
and by faith is declared righteous and in right standing with God shall live. Verse 12. But the law does not rest on faith, does not require faith, has nothing to do with faith, for it is itself says, he who does them, the things prescribed by the law, shall live by them and not by faith. Verse 13. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and its uh, condemnation by himself becoming a curse. He became a curse for us, for it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree is crucified. Verse 14. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing, the promised blessing promise to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. To speak in terms of human relations, brethren, if even a man makes a last will and testament, a merely human covenant, no one sets it aside or makes it void or adds to it when once it has been drawn up and signed, ratified, and confirmed. Verse 16. Now the promises, the covenants, the agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his seed. We are his seed. We are his offspring. We are his heir. That's us. He, God, does not say and to, and to seeds, descendants, heirs, as if referring to many persons, but to our seed, your descendant, your heir, obviously referring to the one individual who is none other than Christ the Messiah. The promises that come through Jesus are ours. What he has done and how he has sacrificed said, Here, this is yours. Take it. It is a gift. And we take that gift, covenant, agreement with Jesus Christ, and we live by faith to those things. And we live. I'm talking live, breathe, in and out, walk. We live by faith. There is where we stand with Anna Marie. She lives by faith, believing in the promises of God and in her relationship with God. Not by doing certain things in a ritual type of way, but saying, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to walk? How do you want me to do this? Live by faith, believing in what he has said. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. This tells you how to live by faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 35. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Do you have a fearless confidence? Do you have a confidence that even though you hear in your head voices that says, oh my gosh, 
you're going to do this or you're going to do that. It's fearless confidence. For it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. (laughs) We can lean on that. We can believe that. Verse 36. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. I have need of steadfast patience and endurance. So that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God. And thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Does this not produce hope in you? Does this not produce faith in you? I'm telling you, take this thing, put it in your heart. And thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. He's telling you, you can do this. 37. For still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. Verse 38. But the just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back, listen, listen to this phrase here, and if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. Your faith. Don't draw back. Don't look back. Don't go, oh, no. Oh, no. I just got a report from the doctor. Oh, no. I just heard from a lawyer. Jim and I were talking the other day. Those are two professions that can shake your faith probably quicker than anything. Oh, I just heard from the IRS. What are you going to do? Are you going to shrink back? Verse 39. But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition, and are utterly destroyed. But we are those who believe, who cleave to, and trust in, and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by faith preserve the soul. We gotta have a hope. We gotta have a hope in Christ. What happened last week was that God showed me some things about what I went through with mom. On June the fifth, when she had the stroke. It was, it was big. And I personally believe she probably had a couple more strokes in the midst of things that were going on. And she really couldn't speak, but it seemed like the area where she was bleeding in her brain uh, had enlarged. And uh, so I've been around some people who've had strokes some minor, some bigger, and uh, went to, um, finally, we went to the nursing home and rehab, and she was doing rehab, and they kept telling me, they they kept telling me, she's getting better, and I said, okay, you know, and uh, 
I was, I, at that point, I was already uh, thinking about hospice. And, uh, but, uh, and the doctors were telling me, you know, you've got to give her a chance. You've got to give her you know, a chance to, to get out of this. And I said, sure, man. I, I didn't call hospice. And I said, we'll give, you, we'll give mom every chance available. In the meanwhile, it was difficult uh, to see uh, this woman who lived independently, who worked up until the day that she had the stroke. She was 78 years old at that point. And uh, she had driven from uh, Ariane to Crane the day before. And we were sitting and talking and eating and living life until, you know, what happened on the 5th. And it was that quick. I'm telling you, from one talking soundly, answering questions there at the doctor's office, when it happened, and she just dropped her head. And I said, Mom, are you okay? And uh, she didn't answer me. From that point... From the minute that she dropped her head, life had changed forever for her. And uh, so they took her on the sidewalk uh, in a gurney. I mean, doctors were there immediately. I'm talking within seconds. And uh, said, you know, she had a, a TIA, which is a minor one. And what we suspect is she probably had minor ones before. Uh, she was just a uh, well, a stubborn woman, <laughs> you know. She's like, I'm all right. I, you know, ain't nothing wrong with me, you know. So, you know, uh, we had heard reports later on that uh, she was with some other people, and they said, yeah, you know, she she started slurring her speech, and she didn't, she couldn't turn a, a, a the faucet on, and. So uh, they said, you know, Mary, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just, I'm going home. And she drove. She drove from their house to her own house. And, you know, just, you're talking about miracle of God. So, and, you know, if she would have had the stroke while she was driving, not only could have she killed herself, but she could have killed someone else, you know. And I, so I just thank God that it happened the way it happened. So, um, I don't remember the date, but she had a, a doctor's appointment. And uh, the doctor basically said, she's not going to get any better than this. And I went, okay. And, and mom heard that. And she, she cried like I had never seen her cry before. And I just went, oh, oh my. And so I asked the Lord, what, what do I do? And uh, how, what's, what's going on here? I know that you can tell me what's going on. And uh, a, a couple days later, someone had made, uh, that, that morning I was talking with Sharon in, in our bedroom, and she was going, you know, Jesus had a Gethsemane. And he, I, I, he went, wow, he did. He went to Gethsemane, he was in the garden, and he says, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. God, 
Can this cup pass from me? And Jesus and God said, No, it's not. And God told me that was her. She was in her Gethsemane. She was mourning her own loss. She was mourning her own death. And she knew it. The doctor had said it where she could hear it. And and so from that time on, I was going, God, I, I hate seeing her suffer. I hate seeing her in this condition. She hates being in this condition. And you tell, I'm telling you, a revelation of heaven came to life for me. There is a real heaven. I had a hope in heaven, not for myself, but for my mother. And I had to know that in this life, she was a body who couldn't function. And she had been a woman of strength. She cleaned people's houses up until she was 78 years old. And I'm, not, and I'm telling you, not an easy job. They weren't going, well, come dust our furniture. You know, she was picking up mattresses. She was uh, folding the corners. Uh, you know, she was picking up the vacuum cleaner. And, you know, she was washing dishes. She was doing the whole gamut. And she'd come at our house and try to do the same thing, but we wouldn't let her. <laughs> and she would get mad about that. So I knew that there's this. And I knew that there was a real heaven. And I know which one was better. So that in my heart God convicted me of. God showed me some things. And then when I came and I prayed and I said, God, how do I help her? He says, you've got to give her hope. You've you got to let her know what's on the other side. You've got to let her know. So... There were people with her constantly. Um, my sister was doing her best to stay up at the nursing home as much as she could. So I found some time when it was just me and mom, just me sitting there talking with her. And uh, <clears throat> I held her hand and, and I told her, I said, Mom, I believe God told me to tell you that heaven is real. That yes, the death process is unknown. I can't tell you about that. All I can tell you is that heaven is real. There are houses in heaven. John tells us that. That he's going to come back and he's, he's built these houses. And you're going to live in one of those. One of the Mom's biggest discontentment was the house that she lived in. You know, oh, gosh, you know, oh, I wish I had a better house. I wish I had a better this. I wish I had a better that. I said, you're going to go to a place where you're going to be totally satisfied. You're not, you're not going to want for a thing. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, to tell you the truth, I'm a little jealous. You're going to get to see Jesus face to face. 
It was real. And I said, you get to see him. And that's just the way it is. I got to stay here. I think at that point there was a turnaround. She knew at that point that God, because I can give her the knowledge of it, but she needed a reality of it. And only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do that. And so I believe it happened. And then I said, everybody's going to be okay. She loved her grandkids. Don't worry about them, Mom. I and Jesus will take care of you. There's no worry. There's no need to worry. So things have turned around. Turn to Hebrews 11.13. Hebrews eleven thirteen. Hebrews eleven thirteen. Okay. These people all died, controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith, and all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents and exiles upon the earth. And then it goes on, or it had been talking about great men of faith, women of faith, and it says there, these people all died in faith, believing for what God was going to do for his nation and for his people. My mom died in faith. She died in faith more than she ever lived in faith. She died holding on to the very promise of Jesus and living with him. She died in faith not... (laughs) (laughs) believing that Carmen is going to get married someday and she won't be there at the wedding. But she knows she'll be all right. Her grandsons are going to be all right. Her son and her daughter are going to be all right. Man, that's dying in faith. When you release control to Jesus and give Him that place, you believe in Him and who He is and what He can do apart from me. Turn to Psalms 60, verse 6. Psalm 60, verse 6. Psalm 
I want to read it in both Amplified and the King James. There's the King James. God has spoken in his holiness, and I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Sukkoth. The word Shechem in the Hebrew is, is uh, the number is 7926. And the word Shechem means a place of burdens. And uh, it means below the neck, between the shoulders. And if you ever had something that you held on to, maybe water on both sides, and you put the pole between the shoulders and behind the neck, and you carry it, you carry these burdens. And God is saying here, I will divide Shechem. I'm going to take those burdens that, that are heavy and make them lighter. He's saying, I will do that. And you know how he does that? He does it through people. Jason and Robin, this is no secret. They had a burden, a big burden. They said, we need to move. We need, we can't do it ourselves. They didn't ask. They didn't come and ask me. They said, you know, Arthur, we, we, need, we need money. But I just said, they need money. I called Jimmy. I called Craig. And I said, here's a family in our congregation that's in need. Both of them readily said, yes. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's take up some money. Let's help them out. That's the very example of I will divide Shechem. I will divide it out for you so that your burden is not so heavy. I will take it. I felt probably for the first time to notably, I, I probably had it before, but didn't notably notice what was going on. But I knew this time, I knew that my brothers and sisters in Christ were praying for me. I knew it. I felt the strength of it. I felt that to be able to go on. And I know that my family, and I'm not talking this, I'm talking about my aunts and my uncles, were looking at me going, why are you like this? Why aren't you falling apart? What's, what's wrong with you? I have a God who's dividing up my burdens among the people that are close to me. It's happening right now. Barbie's opening up the gym. Jeanette watering the plants out here that Anna waters. Jimmy did it yesterday. You, you probably have testimony after testimony about when God came and divided up those burdens. 
a woman back here who had heart surgery. We prayed for her. Here she sits. I prayed for Juan because I knew that it was a burden to his soul that his wife was going through an operation. That's dividing up. Shekel. It's a real thing that God does for us. Is one of the reasons that we shouldn't be such private people. Got to know. How do I know? I, now God can tell me and he can give me, but why do I got to work for it, man? Just tell me. Let me, let me do something. Dividing Shechem. Let me tell you about, and, and meet out the valley of Sukkot. Meet out is kind of like putting a string out and dividing it up. And then we're going to divide up the, the, the string, and then you take this much of the string, and you take that much of the string, and you take that much of the string. But Sukkoth, it is a place. Now, it is the valley of Sukkoth, but the reason it's called Sukkoth is because it was the booth of idolatry. It was a place where these people, uh, it was whoredoms. It was a brothel. And he says, I'm going to meet that out. He's going to say, Elder, Bishop, Jimmy, he, you need to talk to someone out here. And you need to show them where they're wrong and how they can become right. You need to show them the face of Jesus. We take that very seriously. Because it's a mandate on our lives. It's a mandate on the elders to be shepherds and bishops of your soul. What happens then is you begin to recognize it. You go, oh man, I, you know, I didn't know. You've made a choice. And then when you know, you make a choice whether you're still going to do it or not. But the reality is God comes to save you, even from yourself. We are a people. We are the just who live by faith. Know that. Know that that's what the Lord is doing in your life. Father, I just come to you right now believing in what you want us to do. That the just live by faith and that we will also die in faith. Believing you every step of the way. Every step of the way. And Father, we don't go by formula and live by our own experience or what has happened in the past, Father, we go for fresh manna. We go for, the, for how you want uh, the new wine to be. And I just ask you, Lord, pour on us new wine. Pour on us fresh manna.
that we may eat and drink and breathe the newness of whatever you desire us to be and do. Father, that's living moment by moment. And I ask you, Lord, put a revelation on us. Bring a revelation to us that we may honor you and glorify you. Father, I pray right now that these people have gained a new understanding of the just and how we become the just. I pray right now they have a new revelation of how to live by faith. And I pray, God, that our faith pleases you. Thank you, Lord. I want to give an encouragement to the ladies about the meetings that are upcoming starting today. I was talking to Sharon this morning. I said, you know, I think it's odd that God has called Sharon and Anna and I to do these meetings again in this time in our life because I know you understand Anna Marie and the the burden, the fight that she's going through. And Sharon and I have different things going on in our life, but all three of us just feel like we're fighting these battles right now. And so what I'm believing is that these meetings are going to be unbelievable, that God is going to pour himself out. And I am so excited to see what he's going to do And so I want to encourage you to come and see what God has. Not necessarily what me and Anna and Sharon have, but what God has, because I think it's going to be amazing. So dedicate yourself to coming for the next few weeks. It's an hour on Sunday, an hour of power. I believe it's going to be an hour of power. And I want to end by saying this. Uh, I'm sure you heard my phone go off over there. I always turn my phone off on Sunday morning, but I didn't today. And I'm very happy that I didn't because you stood on the wall a while ago for Anna Marie. And she texted me this morning. So I want to share it. I was so encouraged that she said, of course, you know, she was funny saying, I hope you didn't leave your phone on during church. But I did. And uh, the problem that she's having right now, uh, she talked to her doctor and he gave her some things to do. And she's doing what he uh, said to do, believing for her healing. But this is what was amazing. She said, uh, she didn't have immediate results, but she's expecting it. She said, going to the shower, getting dressed, putting on makeup later, because that's what healed people do. In all capitals, that's what healed people do. Believing I'm going to be attending the meeting tonight. That just lifted up my spirit so much. I thought we stood on the wall. Arthur talked about living in faith. That's evidence. It's her speaking to us saying, I'm living by faith. I'm healed. I'm the healed of the Lord. I've been telling her for weeks. I said, Anne-Marie, you know, when she started going through all this, I said, you are the picture of health. And now she really teases me about that. Do I look like the picture of health? Yes. She's God's physical representation on this earth. So for me, Anne-Marie is a picture of health because I believe she's healed. I believe God is doing the complete healing in her. But that was her faith I wanted to share this morning.